0: Hello, I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. We've covered Mark Zuckerberg's financing of the administration of the 2020 elections through the Center for Tech and Civic Life before, but our guest today adds a provocative analysis to the evidence that the Facebook chief deserves at least a thank you card from President Joe Biden. In a piece originally posted at the Federalist, and as we record on Thursday, October 14th, the cover story of the New York Post, William Doyle of the Caesar Rodney Election Research Institute asserts that, quote, The 2020 election wasn't stolen. It was likely bought by one of the world's wealthiest and most powerful men pouring his money through legal loopholes. William joins
1: me to explain his thesis. Uh,
0: William, before we begin, can you give our listeners a bit about your background and
1: what the Cesar Rodney Institute does? Yes, um, I was a professor of economics at the University of Dallas um, here in Irving, Texas for 26 years. So my my major background is in economics and I, I made the transition into um, into political analysis and election analysis during the run up to the 2020 election, but especially after the 2020 election, I what I saw going on seemed so statistically anomalous as to be virtually impossible. And so I, I, I started doing some private work to just try and get to the bottom of it, and um, through some through some connections that I have and just providential forces, for lack of a better word, I got hooked up with the um, the manager of the Caesar Rodney Election Research Institute, Joe Arlinghouse, and he added me to the team and we started doing research into election-related lawsuits. And my job was to, to analyze the technical affidavits that were attached to these lawsuits and then to try and distill them down into a, a form that would be, intelligible to people that did not have a quantitative background and um, as I I was doing this I I started to get frustrated with the quality of the work that was being done in these affidavits admittedly on a very very short timeline but um, there, there were some serious flaws with them that I saw and in looking through the anecdotal evidence I was also frustrated that there didn't appear to be any way to tie all these anecdotal reports into some sort of systematic explanation of of what was going on behind the scenes during the 2020 election that that gave rise to these wildly improbable results, like Joe Biden being the most popular president in, in U.S. history. So um, we started doing doing some research into um, the Center for Technology and Civic Life, and what they were doing, because um, the the boss at the Caesar Rodney Election Research Institute was really interested in that area, and very few people were doing research into that area, your organization, Capital Research Center, being probably the foremost organization that was actually interested in this. So we started looking into it. we came up with a conceptual framework based on a production function um analogy and economic theory to try and measure the the way in which CTCL spending was was affecting vote totals in so, the key swing states. And so so
0: what you were basically trying to do is to quantify the amount of additional votes that would have been brought out by the spending that zuckerberg routed through ctcl
1: exactly and and here's the way i was here, here's the way i was trying to do it i was i was trying to conceptualize the election process in in a state in terms of a production function relationship in economics where you have a, a flow of inputs going into a factory for example and then something's going on in that factory and um within that factory Um, outputs are generated on the other side and you can you can so so
0: so i you know let's use the example of a car factory i put in i input steel i input labor i input uh you know computer processor chips i input rubber and at the and then stuff happens with all of those inputs being put together and outcome cars
1: Exactly. And and if you're if you're trying to quantify the marginal productivity of each of those inputs, you can use statistical analysis to attach parameters to the extent to which each one of those inputs that you just named contributes to the production of a car. OK, mm-hmm. so we add a new input on the front end of that production process and we'll call it CTCL spending that's being injected into local election offices we control, and then
0: some of the other inputs would be the government, the the existing government funding, government supplemental funding,
1: campaign financing, um, mm-hmm. vote shares in 2016 between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, changes in population, changes in voter registration, everything else that could conceivably affect the election outcome. And then we control for all those things, and we ice try and isolate the effect that CTCL spending had on had on the output. On the other hand, there's there's something else that we're also very interested in, and that is what is going on inside that factory? Because, you know, to continue with the factory analogy, all those windows are boarded up. We have no idea how those inputs are being turned into votes. So an, an, another significant part of our, of our work is trying to get into that factory and see how CTCL was actually affecting vote totals was it somehow through they're paying for private drop boxes was it through the infiltration of election offices with um paid activists who were interested in kind of tipping the results for joe biden was it in terms of um media saturation campaigns to promote universal mail-in balloting or mailing out unsolicited um, absentee ballot applications to every household within a particular county. So And and I'm I'm just going to interject there so
0: your conclusion or one of your conclusions is that the CTCL and the Zuckbox formed quote a shadow election system with a built-in structural bias that systematically favored Democratic voters over Republican voters
1: exactly how there did was, you come how did you come to that conclusion I, I, I borrowed to a certain extent I borrowed the an analytical framework that was proposed by um, J Christian Adams at the public interest legal foundation and um, When I first started doing research in this area, I thought the most compelling explanation of what happened during the 2020 election um, for a general audience was an article he published in December called The Real Kraken. And he was the guy who who suggested the idea of, of some kind of bias going on in the election system to me. And I took that. We'll put we'll put that article in today's show notes if I can. Yeah, it's really it's really a, a well done thing. And it really made sense to me because from from the standpoint of a statistician, the concept of bias refers to the tendency of a of a of a mathematical process or an estimator to consistently yield systematic errors to consistently make make the same kind of mistake over and over again. So the kind of bias that I'm that I'm thinking about here is um, an election process should generate a vote total that reflects the will of eligible voters and their preferences for different political candidates. But if that process is biased, then that means that the results that it generates are going to systematically understate or overstate the the correct results for a particular candidate. if you view the election process as something that should be unbiased and fair what i saw going on based on the the basic quantitative work we were doing are too many votes being generated for joe biden in certain key areas based on what we would expect to see based on all the other things that should determine Um, You know, vote totals for every
0: this is this being everything but the
1: CTCL funding. Right, right. So when you inject CTCL in there, it appears as if there is another election system, literally another election system taking shape, either side by side or within the normal electoral system. That's that that amounts to a giant get out the vote effort for Joe Biden term that I use in the article is. You know, it, it was so sophisticated and so smooth and so luxurious that you could almost term it a concierge level get-out-the-vote effort for Joe Biden It was taking place. Okay,
0: so basically, it f- a fun- In your your assertion is that it functioned as a giant Biden super
1: PAC. Exactly, but it was it happened within the election process. It was not something that was that was. Um, imposed on it from outside the way that you would normally get with campaign financing and, you know, legitimate get out the vote efforts. This was something that took place from within the election system. And to the best of my knowledge, we've never seen anything even remotely like that in U.S. history.
0: Hmm. Uh, So, I guess take us through the case study of tech in your, in your federalist article, you uh, you give a case study of
1: Texas. Can you, can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, Texas. I, I live in Texas, so I wanted to, I, I wanted to do Texas as the the first state that we analyze because I'm here on the ground in Texas. I have some knowledge of the way things work and, And I thought that we could get a feel for for how well our model works um, by by looking at Texas, because our results were not going to be all that controversial because Texas did not flip blue during 2020. Our analysis shows that CTCL involvement in Texas yielded about 200,000 extra votes for Joe Biden above and beyond what he would have gotten otherwise. So, um. It made sense to me when when I looked at the, the so-called production functions for the individual counties, which did not appear in the article, by the way, because mm-hmm. most people didn't understand them. But When I looked at those individual production functions in the counties in which CTCL spending was heavy and I compared them with counties in which it was not heavy, it all made perfect sense to me. I, I my confidence in in the way our model works increased. And I thought so this
0: so this is so this is the, the and one of the things that, uh, you know, our team at Capital Research Center, uh, Todd Shepard at Broad and Liberty, who's been looking at uh, Pennsylvania uh, and others have been wondering, you know, been trying to put it put our finger on. Basically, if you were a low propensity, low. um, Low likelihood voter in. Uh, bexar county san antonio uh more likely statistically you know that's a democratic county more likely to vote for the democratic party were you more likely to be cajoled poked assisted by ctcl than a uh similarly socioeconomically and similarly um you know, in terms of political non-involvement, voter in say Lubbock, which is a much
1: more Republican city. Well, would you mind if I chose a different county because we don't have a whole lot of information about what was going on? Yeah, in yeah. Feel
0: feel feel free, feel free. I was just I was just pulling out of my pulling okay. off the top of
1: my head. So whatever Harris.
0: whatever you think are good are good yeah. uh, ways to explain what. what okay, you guys
1: let's found. look at Harris County, which is that, that is
0: Houston Houston and many of its suburbs.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's one of the five largest counties in the United States in terms of population. So here's here's the way what CTCL was doing could have um, could have could have resulted in a lot of Biden votes from low propensity or no propensity voters. OK, first of all, one of the things that their election office tried to do and they were blocked um, ultimately at the Texas Supreme Court level is to mail out unsolicited absentee ballot applications to every household in Harris County.
0: Now, these are these are the ballot application. These aren't the ballots themselves. These aren't just sending out blank ballots to people. These are, hey, mail this back and we'll send you
1: a ballot. Right. And now you got to understand in Texas that's that's considered to be a very, very right. That's right
0: that's right. contrary. That's contrary to Texas law, even before the new the new law.
1: Right. right. But can you imagine if um, if you're a low propensity voter and you don't plan on going to the polls, but but you go out to your mailbox and there's a, a, a an absentee ballot application and they say, hey, if you want to vote, you don't need to go to the polls. You don't even need to early vote. Just fill out this application. We'll send you an absentee ballot, send it back. And if you need some help filling it out, we'll be happy to help you. I don't know if that um, –
0: yeah right whether the last whether the last i mean
1: the whole idea of unsolicited absentee ballot applications and that being fun. right i
0: mean because hist- historic you know historically we've had a sort of principle of minimal call it the principle of minimal involvement like you have to you have to register to vote and you have to show up at the polling station of either your own volition or with the assistance of a of an interest group whether that's a political party a trade union a um uh, you know, a, a business league, a civic association, uh, but not the government. Uh, right. And that that and that that showed that you were kind of invested enough, even if you weren't invested in any way otherwise, that you were invested enough in civic life that you could that that you sort of had that you had
1: earned your right to vote. <laughs> right. And, and we kind of had the expect or yeah, we kind of had the expectation Alongside that, that that voting normally involves going somewhere and registering your vote and producing some sort of evidence that you are illegal, that you you're eligible to vote. And, uh, and, 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 also, and also,
0: and also the the secret Australian ballot that, you know, I you go to the polling station, you either close the curtain and pull the I guess you don't pull the lever anymore. That's been out of practice for like 20 years. Uh, you know, you fill in the bubble, you put it, you know, you put it in the manila envelope and then put it in the put it in the machine. Uh, whereas with an absentee ballot, you know, you're. A, you know, kind of anybody who was there when you filled it out could have seen you do it.
1: Right. That's why I also say um, one of the points that I try and raise in, in the work that we're doing is that with with um, with absentee balloting. There, there are opportunities for novel forms of electioneering that I don't know if people are considering enough. I don't know if you're old enough to remember. I know I am. That um, there was a time when you walked into a polling station, and everybody who's my age will remember that there were signs up outside polling places. Oh,
0: they still, yeah. They, if, if you actually go to a polling place, they still have those no, no campaigning within, yeah, no electioneering. You know, there's always you know, there's always like three guy, you know, three guys for each candidate standing right up as close to the as close to the the, you know, the the no go zone sign as they can get because that's their last chance to get right. You. Uh, but, can you, but yeah, there's always there's always there there still are, at least at polling stations, those no electioneering
1: zones. But surely you can imagine the the greatly expanded opportunities for electioneering that take place that could take place if everybody's filling out their ballots at their kitchen table, you know, under the influence of whoever they happen to be with and whatever.
0: A a canvasser, a spouse,
1: whatever they're providing. So. It's a it's a it's a very weird situation, and and the way that Texas views absentee balloting is it's a privilege, not a right. It's a you have the right to vote, but you don't have the right to vote you know anywhere you want under any conditions you want. So when this effort took place in Harris County, um, the uh, Governor Abbott's administration just jumped on it right away and started pushing back, and it eventually made its way all the way up to the Texas Supreme Court. And um, the Abbott administration won and they were prevented from doing what they wanted to do, which is to send out absentee ballot applications to every mailbox in Harris County. That would have made it that one thing could have could have increased Biden's vote total by another hundred thousand or so. I don't know. Mm -hmm. The other thing is ballot drop boxes. Um, They tried to put 11 privately funded um private drop boxes in harris county and they tried to put four of them in travis county which is like
0: yeah yeah travis is austin if i can just sort of hop in and sort of play devil's advocate for about 30 seconds you know what's wrong with especially with the pandemic you know and everybody's trying to do social distancing what's wrong with having drop boxes whether they're privately funded or publicly funded you know, there, there needs to be some, you know, the mail, everybody knows the U.S. mail is lousy at its job. You know, why not just let people walk up to these drop boxes and put their absentee ballots in the drop box?
1: Because there's there, there are serious chain of custody issues with regard to private uh, with regard to drop boxes. If you look at Georgia and what's been going on in Georgia and the kind of investigations that have been taking place, there, um, huge chain of custody issues associated with these private drop boxes. Um in terms of who drops off the ballots there, I mean you can dump a bunch of ballots in there. So it it, it creates opportunities for ballot harvesting that otherwise wouldn't be there.
0: This is and this then, is the pra- this is for for those who might not be familiar, this is the practice of canvassers or operatives for trades unions, political parties, candidates' committees going from you know residents to residence, collecting voted absentee ballots from voters and then taking them either to the mail, to the election administration office, to a drop box. In a lot of places, ballot harvesting is not allowed.
1: And It is not allowed in Texas, and there are some some stories that were locally reported about people who were attempting ballot harvesting during 2020 and were busted with, you know, two or three hundred ballots in their cars going somewhere where they shouldn't have been going. And then on the back end, there are also chain of custody issues, like who is who's who's transporting the ballots from these drop boxes to where they should ultimately be counted and how accountable are there? How transparent is that process? So it it creates Drop boxes create major chain of custody issues and they also create opportunities for ballot harvesting. And in Texas, again. Greg Abbott's administration saw those opportunities, was very concerned about them and fought back in court against those drop boxes. And again, one ultimately in court and those private drop boxes were removed in Houston and they were removed in Travis County. So in Texas, there was only one drop box allowed um, per county and that drop box had to be located. I believe it was at the County clerk's office. Mm -hmm. So another, another, um, Study that I would like to do is um, trying to figure out the extent to which trying to maintaining a hard line in favor of election integrity in Texas maybe was the the, the one thing that prevented CTCL from flipping Texas blue. It could have gone the other way if the Abbott administration had not been um, has not. So to what to what
0: to, to what extent line. that that that
1: firm line. Right. They really yeah, held the line in. and I mean it's it was the, the amount of lawfare that took place during two thousand twenty trying to dismantle state election laws was it's kind of like a saturation bombing campaign that softened the, the ground up for the you know ultimate assault by the infantry and that's what CTCL was doing. I, I view them as being kind of the infantry that went into these local election offices and tried to win the battle for joe biden so
0: i guess coming to the you know kind of coming to the conclusion you know again your sort of final conclusion in your article was that uh the 2020 election was quote while free was not fair noting that the 2020 election wasn't stolen it was likely bought with money poured through legal loopholes i guess my question uh and the question to sort of present this to an audience that is not inclined to believe that CTCL did anything wrong, that getting people out to vote is good. Citizens should have their voices heard. Um, You know, how is what Zuckerberg did any different than if they had just than if he had just written a four hundred million dollar check to the Democrat super PAC for get out the vote operations?
1: Because you know, what, Dem- what made it what made it systematically unfair? Because the the Democratic National Committee and the Democratic Super PAC can can mount get-out-the-vote efforts, and they should mount get-out-the-vote efforts, but not from within the election system. The, The DNC cannot take over local election offices and the local election process and commandeer it and steer it in a way that systematically and predictably favors their party over the other party. I'm to consider the alternative. I mean, would would um, would would Democrats be comfortable with the RNC taking over election offices in Houston and Dallas and running them in ways that that suited the interest of the Republican Party from inside the election system? Mm -hmm. So it's the fact that that, they they did it. It's the fact that they did
0: it from inside the government that is supposed to be to the extent such a thing is practicable, refereeing in a fair way the election.
1: Right. From within the process, I, the, the point that I that I keep trying to make that I found it very difficult to get across to people is this is not a matter of Democrats outspending Republicans in an election. This is a completely different type of spending that gave rise to a completely different type of activity than we've ever seen before that amounted to the creation of a giant get out the vote effort for joe biden within the election system not imposed on it from without or not attempting to influence it from without and and, an, and, and, and
0: influence like influencing it in a way that uh you know election analysts and political operatives and journalists are familiar with everybody knows that the trades unions are going to do a get out the vote operation. That the political parties are going to do a get out the vote operation. That, you know, 501c4 uh, lobbying and social welfare groups are going to do get out the vote operations. But the idea of a privately funded, ideologically aligned get out the vote operation from inside the government. Exactly. Uh, that that's yeah. that's that's the nov- that's the novelty that that Zuckerberg and CTCL.
1: And and consider the alternative, like suppose, suppose um, conservatives had a similar organization to CTCL and we funded um, we funded the insertion of a lot of conservative activists into the election process in, say, Dallas County, where I live. And and let's suppose that they lived up to the worst stereotype that the left has of the things that we're interested in, which it. Their narrative is that we're concerned with suppressing the vote. Let's suppose we commandeer those election offices and we started turning away people because they had driver's licenses that were expired one day ago. Because Texas has voter yeah, ID. Yeah, Texas has a voter okay. ID. We, we looked at the picture and we said, wait a second, that's not you. You need to bring back a utility bill. Oh, sorry, you can't come back tomorrow because it's election day. Well, tough luck, pal. I mean, how would Democrats feel about something like that? Surely they would consider that to be highly unethical and problematic. And it would be. Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah, no, it would be. It consider would be what it they would they problematic and unethical.
0: Well, uh, I think we can leave it on that. Let me once again thank William Doyle of the Caesar Rodney Election Research Institute for joining us. Uh, I will link his article in The Federalist and also the New York Post editorial commenting on it in today's show notes. That's our show Thanks. for this week. We encourage our listeners to subscribe on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. Those ratings really help us find new listeners, especially if they come with a positive review. We'll see you all next week.